All right. So today is November the 19th, 2023. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 5, lesson 6 for everyone that's on the tape. Uh, thank you for, for listening in. And so Nehemiah chapter 5. And uh, everything's been going well. We just finished chapter 4 last week. And the wall is halfway built. And they're moving right along. And uh, we're going to read chapter 5 and just dig into that, what we can find today. Chapter 5, Nehemiah, verse 1. And there was a great cry of the people and then of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many... Therefore, we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. And there were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and our vineyards. And yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as as their children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are bought are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. And I was very angry when I heard the cry and these words. That's Nehemiah speaking in verse 6. Verse 7, then I consulted with myself and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and I said unto them, ye exact usury, usury, every one of his brother. And I set a great assembly against them and I said unto them, we after our ability have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace, and they found nothing to answer. Also I said, It is not good that ye do. Ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God, because the reproach of the heathen are enemies? I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this usury. Restore, I pray you, to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, and their houses unto the hundred part of the money and of the corn and wine and the oil that ye exact of them. Then they said, We will restore them and we will require nothing of them, so we will do as thou sayest. Then I called the priest and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. Also I shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise, even thus be he shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praised the Lord, and the people did according to the promise. Verse 14. Moreover, from that time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the twentieth year even unto the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that is twelve years. So here we have Nehemiah. If you thought he just came into the land for a few few uh, months or something to take care of the situation, maybe he did. But remember I said earlier that when you start remodeling and you start restoring things, it always takes more time, more money, more effort. And uh, same thing with, with Nehemiah. I don't know if he planned on 12 years, but he's there. Okay? And uh, he goes, 
And I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor. But the former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people and had taken of them bread and wine beside forty shekels of silver. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people, but so did, so, let me see, but so did not I because of the fear of God. Yea, also I continued in the work of this wall, neither uh, bought we any land, and all my servants were gathered thither unto the work. Wherever there were at my table a hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers, besides those that came unto us from among the heathen that are about us. Now that which was prepared for me daily was one, uh, one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowls were prepared for me. And once in ten days... Uh, store of all sorts of wine, yet for all this required not I the bread of the governor, because the bondage was heavy upon the people. Think upon me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. So when you go back and you kind of look at this, you see that uh, Nehemiah, the, the purpose of him going back and doing this was for the Lord. His reward that he was wanting was not you know, any fame or any land or any any position, even though he got the governor position, it was because he feared the Lord and he wanted to obey and do what he said. So we're going to go back and, and break this chapter down a little bit. So I, I titled this lesson, Problems Within. So he's halfway in on the walls. They've been fighting uh, people from the outside. Now they have a problem from the inside. And so... Uh, there are some problems within that's going to cause them to shut down if they're not addressed. And, and I kind of title this, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> have you heard that? Uh, kind of sounds like, does that sound like your life? Yeah. You know, have you ever thought about, why is it that I always have these problems? You know? Uh, no, it's not, and, and we've probably all been there. Why is it always me? You know? I, I like it when the mechanic or the doctor goes, you know, you had this situation and it, it's very rare. It only happens once out of five million people, but it just so happens you have this problem. <laughs> and I'm like, why not? You know, uh, but there's a problem discovered. And if you go back and look at that, that movie that 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 uh, uh, in, in that situation that Houston, we have a problem. Was was on Apollo 13, 1970. You know they, they were supposed. Now, if this is true, they're supposed to be on the way to the moon, and they're going to land on the moon. But they had an explosion on 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 their ship, and which caused them to lose power. So, number one, the the, the landing on the moon was was out of the question. The main question was, do we have enough power to get home? And so that was a big deal in 1970. Of course, the movie came out, and this expression, you know, Houston, we have our problems, kind of came to the forefront. But that's kind of how that happened. But, you know, there's always major problems, no matter who you are. There's problems that's going to happen. So what was the problem that was here going on in verses 1 through 5? Your handout says, under A, it says, we are out of food. That was the key key thought here. They were out of food. And it kind of reminds me of the people in Egypt uh, under Pharaoh when, when, the, when the, uh, the famine came with Joseph. 
if you go back and remember that story, you know, they had seven good years and then seven bad years. And then, and then the next thing you know, during the seven bad years, people ran out of food. So they, they sold their livestock for food to Pharaoh. Of course, Joseph's on, in, in the mix of all this. And, uh, so the Pharaoh starts getting richer and richer. So he ends up with the livestock. And then they're like, um, we just will sell you our land because, you know, we can't farm it. We, we don't have any animals now. So they sold them the land. And then the next thing, they're still out of, they use that food up. And then they come back again. What's the next thing, they, the only thing they have left? Their children or themselves. They go, we'll just sell ourselves into slavery to you. At least we'll have something to eat. So the food's the issue. And even if you study history and you find out these communist countries, when they take over a country, the first thing they do is wipe out the food. So that's why there's a big thing going on in our country right now about the food. But anyway, so they have a problem with food. They can't feed anybody. But that that was just the start of it. And so they basically come out and they go, we have a lot of kids. We got to feed them, you know. Um, you know, I remember our son Jeremy. Our son Jeremy, you'd think he was 300, a, a big guy, but he's not. But, but I think they asked him in Sunday school class or school one time, says, you know, so why, why do you love your parents? And I don't know, know why they'd even say that, but the, the point is, why, why do you, why do you like about your parents or why do you love your parents? And his answer was, they feed me. <laughs> I mean, honest. They feed him. I mean, he's, he's one of these kids. Well, he got saved when he was like 10. And then his next question was, now, when we get to heaven, will we still be able to eat? I mean, this kid thinks about food all the time. Okay. But food's a big deal. So they're not, they don't have, uh, they don't have any food. So why? Number one, they have many children. There's a drought in the land. That's why I said it kind of reminds me of, of down in Egypt. And then they go, number three on your list is, we have mortgaged our lands to buy food. Now we're out of food. Our land's been mortgaged or sold. And we don't, we're running out of options. And then uh, another uh, comment they had was, we've borrowed, we've even had to borrow from people to pay our taxes. And so there's a couple of taxes that they had. And in one passage here that I read, it talks about a hundredth part. I'm trying to remember where that was. Um, verse 11 it says, Restore, I pray you to them, even this day their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards. I thought that was kind of funny. I, I didn't know a, olive, a group of olives were called an olive yard, but yet... Olives are trees, right? So an olive yard, vineyards, olive yards, and their houses also the hundredth part of the money. Now the hundredth part of the money was a tax that went to Jerusalem. And so the nobles were charging the people a tax. Not on, and Artaxerxes also had a tax going on. So you have a question, Roger? Okay. <clears throat> when we went through chapter 3, we, we read about the uh, nobles of the Tikoites. Yes. That wouldn't put their hand to the work. 
Yeah, and he used the same word here in chapter 5. It's the nobles that are oppressing their own people. Yeah. And confiscating all of their property. Right. So it's like you hit it right on the head. And it's their own people. That's the point I want to make out also. So basically, number five says, we've sold our children into bondage and we cannot, you have a blank there, redeem them. So we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, but they could not, you know, at that point, they could sell their kids into a bondage, but then they could redeem them back when they got the money to do so. But now, when when you run out, when when your farm is gone, your land's gone, you have no more collateral. They were at a point in their life where they had nothing else to give. And so now they're crying out. And of course, this happens right in the middle of building the wall. And I would assume it was because the food started running out. Okay? And so, uh, you know, I just, I just remember when we lived on the farm... So, Kerry, what would we do when, when I wanted to go on a mission trip and we didn't have the money? Well, I, there's two things we did. One thing you didn't like, but what's, what do we normally do? I guess we'd pray first. Or well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, what did we have on the farm? Cows, right? Yeah. So, what would we do? Sell we'd sell a cow. Well, and then it kept going down. And the other thing was she'd get in a car wreck and get money to fix the car. <laughs> She doesn't like telling that. So twice that happened, that I think. Not my fault. So on a mission trip, she gets rear-ended twice, and we got the money from that to fix the car, got a guy in the church to fix the car, and still ended up making money so I could go on a trip. <laughs> that happened twice. <laughs> Carrie's like, I'm getting tired of you going on a trip, and I have to go through an auto accident. <laughs> but my point was, they were out of cows. You know, they're out of collateral. You know, it's kind of like us. We go borrow the money from the bank. Yeah, we can borrow money if we got the collateral. And then then you can't make your payment. They take your collateral. Then what do you do? You can't go back to the bank anymore because they you don't have any more collateral. That's the position they were in, okay? So that's the problem. It was discovered. So, and then verses, that's in verses 1 through 5. In verses 6 through 10, the problem is addressed and Nehemiah is furious. Did you see that? Uh, uh, verse 6 says, And I was very, what? Angry when I heard their cry in these words. And here's the funny part, verse 7. Then I consulted with somebody. Who's he consult with? Himself. Himself. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's just kind of interesting. So he's furious. So why is he so furious of, of this happening? Help me out here. It's affecting his people. It's affecting his people. Well, number one, I'm thinking it's affecting the building of the wall. Because they're halfway through the project with the wall. And now this big, now they've been fighting the guys on the outside. Now on the inside, something's going to get, get them to stop. So number one, it's going to stop their progress on the wall. But I think that's just the lower end of it. I think what it was, it was going to destroy the unity of the people. Because yeah, now you've got certain ones, you know, uh, ending up with all the money and all the vineyards and all that because of what they're doing. So he's not happy with that. And, um, 
it, it's going to stop uh, their fellowship with God, basically. Okay? And I'm going to talk about that a little bit farther in the lesson. So he's a little hacked off over this. And, and the fact, uh, and, and, and he rebukes the elders. He has a consultation with himself. That's funny right there. And he rebukes the elders. And he doesn't mince words. Again, this guy Nehemiah is a go-getter. I mean, he's, he, he's a go-getter and he tells it like it is. You know, I, I like people that do that. Uh, you know, you want people to tell you the truth. You don't want people, you know, beating around the bush. So he comes out and he says, number one, he says, what are you doing to your brethren? He goes, you know, you ought not to do this. So turn over to Exodus 22:25. I think that's a note in your Bible or in your handout. Exodus 22:25. And this is this is basically a law in the Old Testament. Exodus 22:25 says, "If thou lend money to any of my people, that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as it, how's that word pronounced? Usurer? And neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. In other words, don't charge him interest. You know, you have one of your brothers come to you and they are desperate and they need some help, loan them the money and don't charge him interest. Okay? And so, uh, turn over to Leviticus. Next chapter over. Leviticus 25. And again, it's in your handout. Leviticus 25 and starting in verse 39. <coughs> and if thy brother that dwelleth by thee be waxen poor and be sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bondservant, but as a hired servant and as a sojourner. So shall be with thee and shall serve thee into the year of Jubilee and then and then shall he depart from thee both he and his children with him and shall return into his own family unto his possession of his fathers shall he return verse 42 for they are my servants which I brought forth out of the land of Egypt they shall not be sold as bondmen so in other words you can hire them to be but you're not to sell them and so basically what was going on here, the reason Nehemiah is so hacked off over this is because there are some people taking advantage of the situation, charging interest uh, and buying people as slaves, basically, that was supposed to be their brothers. And that ought not to have been happening. And so that's against the Old Testament law, in fact. So, number two, it says, we have redeemed our brethren from the heathen around us. So, Nehemiah is involved with helping uh, the Jewish people that had sold some of their children and some of themselves into bondage to the heathen. They had already redeemed those. Nehemiah was a part of that. But this was going on between the brothers. Okay? And that's what was hurting Nehemiah so much. And he says, will you sell the poor brethren among yourselves? And then he says, he goes, you know, I have a right to exact a tax among you, but I have refrained from doing so. 
So Nehemiah could have charged a tax because he was basically acting as the leader or the governor of the group. And in fact, they vote him in as being governor at this time. But uh, he wasn't he wasn't taxing the people. He wasn't enforcing them to pay him anything for his services. In fact, his own food and lodging, he provided himself. Now, can you imagine a politician today with an attitude like that? I don't want anything from you guys. I don't want a salary. I'm here to for for your good. No, not there's nothing like that. They all they're all there for the money, and the longer they're in, the longer you know, the more they're they're getting out. So Nehemiah says, "Hey guys, I'm going to use myself as an example. I have a right to charge you guys." to pay for my expenses. And he goes, I'm not doing that because why? It's going to hurt the project. It's going to hurt what I want to get done. And number one, I fear God. I can take care of myself. And you got to remember, Nehemiah was sent there from the king, Artaxerxes. So King Artaxerxes kind of paying the bill for him. And if he's not getting it from him, he's using his own money. I don't know, but I know one thing, he wasn't getting it from the people. Okay, and so he he uses himself as an example, and he 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 gets them all together, and he just lets them have it. And so, uh, in verses eleven through nineteen, we see that the problem is solved. The people were restored their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards. That still cracks me up. Their houses, their hundredth part of their money. In other words, Nehemiah goes, you know what? Uh, there's no city tax in Jerusalem. We're going to stop it. There's, because we have, we have a situation at hand here. It's, it would be a burden on the people to do that. So we're stopping that. And so we're going to get back to the project that we have. And so he restored the corn, the wine, and the oil. Everything is required. And he made Nehemiah the governor. And he set the example for them. By not taxing the people and by not burdening the people to supply his needs. Because we read here in the rest of the chapter here in verses 11 through 19 that Nehemiah provided for the people under his command. And again, I don't know, it doesn't say how he did that, but he didn't charge the people of Jerusalem. Okay? And so, uh, again, like I said, I wish politicians would do that today, but they don't. So a good leader... We're going to actually get out here early today. A good leader has a plan, and he takes whatever steps are necessary to get the plan to work. Now, there are some people that when they have a plan going and that something happens to the plan, they just go to pieces. They can't figure out what to do. You know anybody like that? And I'm not talking about you guys. I mean, you probably can think of people. You know, well, we were going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then something happens. They're like, okay, now what do we do now? You know? And uh, there are people that just can't, it seems like, think for themselves at times, or 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 keep going on on the on on the plan. So a good leader has a plan, and he takes whatever steps are necessary to get the plan to work. So let me let me just ask you, what was Nehemiah's main objective? Was it to build the wall? Question mark. Or to provide what was you have a blank in your next statement. It was to or to provide what was lacking. Lacking goes in your blank. 
to provide what was lacking to make the people succeed. And you can put here with the wall if you want, but really it's with the relationship with God. What was, what was the whole purpose that Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem for? It was way more than just building the wall. Okay. Um, go back to Nehemiah chapter 1. And let's look at this. Okay. So I, I, I shot my big mouth off and said it was way more than the wall. And you'll hear all these Bible scholars and everybody tell you, the book of Nehemiah is about Nehemiah going back to build the wall. But that's not the main thing. Okay, so and if you only heard that here first, you heard it here. Okay, so the book of Nehemiah, chapter one, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Cheslu in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, not sure whether he's an actual brother or just a Jewish, you know, like we would call somebody at church. I believe it was probably his a brother. Okay. I mean, a physical brother. Then Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. So let's just stop right there. What was his two concerns? He asked them about what? He asked them about the Jews that were in the land, and then he asked them, second, about Jerusalem. That's the focus. It was about the Jews that were there, and it was about the city second. Okay? And he, and verse 3 says, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity, captivity there in the province are in great affliction. Bells are going off in Nehemiah's head. And reproach, or great affliction and reproach, then next, the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept. Now, do you really think he wept just because the, the walls were broken down? He probably, oh, those, those walls were so beautiful, I really like those stone walls. No, I don't think that was his attitude. I think what he was weeping about was, was his condition of the people. They're exposed. Uh, the whole purpose of them being there is, you know, here he is in in a foreign country, and yet the people went back. He may have been beating himself up because he wasn't back there yet. And he's like, you know, the whole purpose of them going back was to restore worship with God, not to not you know to have a beautiful city. It was to restore fellowship and, and worship. But yet you got to have protection when you're there. So that added to it. And so it came to pass when he heard these words that he sat down and wept and he mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Um, and then, you know, came up with the plan to go back and let's, let's do what it takes to restore worship in Jerusalem. That's the focus, okay? Now, the walls are in in the plan, okay? They are. So, number one, his first concern was the people, and the second concern was the city, okay? So, let me just, I wrote down here, do you have a plan for your life? I had to stop and think about this to myself this week. You know, they had a, Nehemiah had a plan for the people and how to get them to restore fellowship and, and worship with God. And I'm like, do we have a plan to to help us 
stay in fellowship and worship God. Do we have a plan in our life? Have you ever thought about that? What do we do to, to, to keep our fellowship with the Lord current, I guess, is a, is a different way to look at it. Stay in the Word. Okay. Stay in fellowship with your church. Pray. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, have you ever thought about, I'm going to jot this down. This is on my wall at my house. You know, this is what I want to do for my in my life. And so, but you're like, okay, so what steps do we take? Well, number one, are we in the Word? Are we praying on a daily basis? Are we going to hear the Word of God taught? Are we serving God with a, a group of people that are following His book? And, or are we just all about doing what we want to do with our life, with our job, with our property, you know? And there's been times in my life, and I have to admit, I, I put, I put, uh, my business first. I put the farm first. I, I put a lot of other stuff first. And no, that should not be first. My relationship with the Lord should be first. And I need to have a plan on how to do that. And I know the plan you just mentioned is, you know, yeah, but do we have it sat down in writing somewhere in our life? Or are we just running by the seat of our pants? Okay, my point. Uh, so do we have a plan for our life? Um, do we encounter problems with that plan? Well, yeah, I mean, we do. And then what steps do we take to make sure we're on target with the plan? Because that's what I'm kind of learning through the book of Nehemiah. Um, Nehemiah is back there trying to, to establish worship with the people. And in our life, we have the same thing. We, we, our, our, our relationship with the Lord needs to be maintained. How do we maintain that? Or do we just fly by the seat of our pants, like I said? And so we need to have a plan. And we need to see if we're on that plan. And so I think I've mentioned this before in here. It's like, what is, what can keep us focused on the, on that particular plan? And, and the thing that I, that hit me a year or two ago, I was thinking along these lines was, am I, am I, um, observing or, or actually accomplishing the great commission in my life? Are you guys doing that? What is the great commission? To, you know, to teach God's words, preach God's word, um, are we a part of the great commission? And if we're not, then we need to get going on it. But if we are, then that, that should keep us on the right, right path. So just like Nehemiah was trying to, to restore worship and fellowship, he wants it to keep going. We need to do the same thing in our life. Um, we need to know God's word and we need to implement it and we need to make sure that we stay on the path and don't get AWOL because our problems will try to take us off of that. Um, and even even our people we pray for all the time health problems that shouldn't stop us from serving God that shouldn't stop us from reading our Bible and praying and we may not feel like it but that's when we need it the most so no matter what in our life takes place are we living our life for Christ and keeping the worship going with Him I guess is my point and so Nehemiah is not allowing anything to stop the plan that he has, and we need to not let anything stop us.
in our life from having the worship and the fellowship that we have with Christ. Does that make sense? Kind of? Okay. Well, good. So that's kind of what I got out of this, and we'll keep going with the rest of Nehemiah uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, but Nehemiah's not letting anything stop him. <laughs> so uh, he, he, he'll he do whatever it takes. And that's where we need it. we got to do whatever it takes to keep to keep on track. Yeah, I know. Because if we get off track, what keeps us on track, I guess, is my question. And he wasn't about to let anything keep get him off track on the wall. That was just one step along the way. Because remember I said last week, Ezra, they under Ezra, in the book of Ezra under Zerubbabel, they stopped the, the building on the temple. It took them 13 years to get back on track. Now, Put that back on us. If we allow problems and situations in our life to affect our walk with the Lord for for 15 years, that'd be a tragedy. I mean, even a week's a tragedy. But we need to we need to not just think, well, we're good all the time. We need to be we need to be thinking about how is my relationship with Christ. And am I doing everything possible to make sure it's going forward and not get side sidetracked? You have to consult with yourself. There you go. I like that. Yeah, you got to consult with yourself. What's happening in my life? What's going on in my life? What's going on? So I, I'm going to stop right there because I said we'd get out here early and I'm going to run late. So uh, let's let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your book. We thank you for Nehemiah, Lord. That here's a man that that had. Uh, that basically had guts, but more importantly, he had a relationship with you and he wasn't going to allow anything to stop, stop him from helping uh, the people in Jerusalem uh, to get back to worship and get back to having a relationship with you, Lord. And so I, I, th- I pray that we can learn illustrations and, and truths out of this book, Lord, and, and uh, how they apply to our lives. And I pray that we would all be a Nehemiah, that we would be diligent about serving you and helping other people come to know you as Lord and Savior and helping them with their walk. So I just pray for that this morning. I pray you give us a great week. Give us the words to say to the people that need it. And Lord, bring people into our life that need need Christ, Lord, and help us to see them. Give us the words to say and just use us uh, to be a witness for you. So we pray for that. And in Christ's name, amen. So, you guys, everybody eating turkey on, on Thursday? Okay. You're eating steak? Oh my goodness, okay. Yeah. We go there. That's, we need to start doing that. How about, we have them come over, we fix them turkey, and then we eat steak. <laughs> better, better get that off, off tape. I know. They're going to come after me. We're having smoked turkey from Joe's barbecue. From where? From Joe's. Oklahoma Joe's.